Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to Exxon Quick Hits. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined, as always, by my buddy who is the co-host of Turn On The Jets Film Room over at our YouTube channel, Turn On The Jets TV, Mr. Joe Blewett. What's going on, Joe? Uh, nothing. Driving in the car, performing some of my uh, boyfriend duties, going to get uh, <laughs> the, the, the lady friend right now. So she's going to be in the car with me in a few minutes here. Uh, hopefully you don't hear any background noise, but if you do, you're going to just have to get over it. <laughs> I'm sure she's just as excited as I am and you are and everybody listening to this is to hear all about Josh Allen, the defensive end slash outside linebacker from Kentucky. So let's talk all about him here. Some say he is the edge rusher that the Jets need, and I want to find out whether or not he is. So let's get into his strengths and weaknesses. First of all, I think one of the things that makes him such an impressive prospect is his ceiling because of his strength, his speed, and his athleticism. Great Ben, too. Tell me about all of these traits with Josh Allen. Yeah, and it's 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 widely believed throughout you know NFL circles, anybody who's really scouting, that you really need five things um to be able to to succeed as a as a pass rusher in the nfl and that's strength it's technique it's bend it's burst and it's arm length josh allen has every single one of those traits and and the and the ability where you're talking about okay strength is he is he fantastic in that area um no but does he have the capability to um, make that a strength of his yes he does and that's where you have to that's the difficulty when you're evaluating NFL prospects and how they're going to turn out to the NFL, because you have to look not only at their, what they are now, but what they project to beat, uh, what they can turn into. And that's where you hear Josh Allen. Okay. You know, really high um, ceiling, but also he has a, no, I'm not going to say a super low floor, but a floor of a guy um, like a, you know, a Dante Fowler level player or like a Leonard floor Floyd level player, where they're still making an impact, but they're only getting, you know, four five, six, seven sacks a year where his ceiling, because of those five traits that I, that I just spoke about, he's a player who could reach a ceiling of 18, 19, 20 sacks 
um, every other couple of years or maybe stacks two years on top of each other uh, like a guy like a and and I'm not saying he's going to be this I'm saying that he can be this so don't don't like kind of, you know twist up my words when people are listening to this but he has that ceiling of guys like a Khalil Mack if he hits it or like a Von Miller uh, guys who possess all five of those traits so that's why he's such an intriguing prospect where guys have him as high as three, like I personally do. And there's other people who have him, you know, as low as, you know, around the 10 range, which I do not agree with because of that ceiling. But I can understand why, uh, where the other guys that we're going to talk about with, you know, Quentin Williams or have to talk about with Quentin Williams and Nick Bosa. Um, they're, they're pretty much lockstep with one and two, whichever one you want to have that one and two, um, where Josh Allen is a little bit more polarizing, but, uh, yeah, he, he definitely has that high ceiling. That's why he's such an intriguing guy. That's why a lot of Jets fans want him at three. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. He has some issues technique-wise, and before we get into his pluses and minuses as a pass rusher, I wanted to hit on this. Tell me a little bit about what he's going to need to fix at the next level from a technique standpoint. Technique standpoint in the run game, you're going you're gonna to want to see him uh, attack guys more at the line of scrimmage and create a, a harder edge, where there are times where a tight end, um, whatever tight end it was, I forget exactly what game it was, but there's times where he's not stacking properly, where he'll, he'll penetrate a little bit too far upfield, and that gives the um, the running back a, a very wide uh, gap to cut through. Where if if he's on the edge, you know, against that tackle or the tight end, let's just say it's a tight end for this example. If he's going to penetrate too hard upfield, then get then guess what? That C gap is is a massive hole. Or there's times where he'll be on the edge and he'll need to contain the edge. But instead of instead of stacking, keeping keeping his hips square, if anything, cheating a little bit far outside because he does. At the end of the day, that's his primary goal is to is to contain the edge. You'll see him sometimes try to penetrate inside and then get blocked inside while the running back is cutting outside of him. So in the in the run game, um, there's a big thing with stacking the edge and getting a little bit heavier in the pants. Uh, he has a very strong upper body, and you can notice that on film when he's just using his arms. And his, and his torso, he's a strong player, but he needs to develop a little bit more strength in his legs, add a couple more pounds uh, to his base uh, to be able to to hold against tackles and, and drive blocks and kick out blocks and things like that. Um, so a lot of the technique work comes from the run game. And then the technique in the pass game is more of the uh, more of uh, reaching that ceiling where the run game it's like necess- like it's necessary he needs to do that now when we talk about that ceiling that he has in, in pass rushing um, it's if he fixes these technique things and adds more moves so I don't know if you're going if you want to compile moves with technique but that's I, I think moves are technique and I see a lot of chops a lot of swipes and turning into rips and bending that corner which has bended his speed and his explosion uh, plus ankle flexibility plus that hip and, and, and torso flexibility is something really impressive for his size but you want to see more of those inside moves you want to see some answer moves which i heard there's always some kind of narratives going around which which some were definitely correct um where he didn't really win inside now i was encouraged towards the end of the year um where i saw some pump moves where a guy where an, uh, you know an offensive tackle would get be getting beat outside but then recover and be leaning a lot of their upper body you know into 
Allen, and he would feel that. He would feel that they're they're light on their feet and they're leaning a lot of their upper body, you know, into him, which is which is a key time to use a hump move, which basically you're going to be on the opposite. You're going to be, let's say if you're on the left side, you're going to throw your right arm hook their left side, and you're going to basically toss them to where the, the momentum's going. You're going to cut back inside. Um, and in terms of an outside linebacker, at least an edges, uh, you, know, uh, you know, situation. So I saw that from him. I saw some times where he would burst up field and then use a cross shot and shoot inside. So I saw at the end of the year, uh, which is a good thing because he's a player that you heard about uh, or I heard about before I watched him who was very, very raw. Uh, two years ago, he didn't really have a lot of passers moves. He wasn't as developed, and this year he developed more. So I saw the development that he took from you know from two years ago to this year, and then I even saw the development that he took from the beginning of his 2018 season um, into his into the end of his 2018 season, going into 2019. So that was definitely an impressive thing for me. Um, but with all edge rushers, you need a very strong counter to your main move, and a very strong counter. Um, two speed rushers is is speed to power because listen, if I'm gonna burst off that line of scrimmage, you're gonna op- you're gonna open up your hips really quickly. You're gonna be on your toes trying to get outside because you think I'm gonna beat you. Um, you know, outside I'm gonna I'm gonna get to the outside of you. Then I'm gonna I'm gonna bend the edge and flatten that 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 uh, that angle and then get to the quarterback. Um, then guess what? If you do that and you're doing that and you're doing that too much and too often, uh, I'm gonna start using speed to power where I'm gonna give you that that wide angle around the arc. And then as soon as you open up those hips, you're on your toes. I'm going to change that angle from, from wide straight into you. I'm going to get under you. I'm going to get my elbows tight. I'm going to rush you right back into the quarterback. And you want to develop those moves, though. That, that, that's that bull rush where, like I said, you're going, to open, you're going to open up those hips. You're going to bull them back into the quarterback. And um, then you also want to develop some inside counters. Just like you, you don't always have to use that bull rush. But listen, if you're going to overset, even if I'm not going to bull rush you this time, Guess what? I'm going to dip my left elbow and see if you're rushing off, let's say, the right side. Um, and then I'm going, to, I'm going to get my my inside foot tight to you. I'm going to spin you. Or if you're going to overset, I'm going to use that cross chop. So you want to develop more counters to if they're oversetting you. Because, listen, if you can only use speed of power um, and they're oversetting you where they're really, like I said, opening up quickly, getting wet on their toes, if you can't counter that uh, versus a good tackle, uh, like a guy like Tyron Smith, and you can't use speed to power, you can't use inside counters, they're going to shut you down. So that's that's areas in his game that he needs to develop to be an elite pass rusher. So um, that's uh, if that can happen, then he should be one of the top players in the draft. If he doesn't develop those areas, then that's why some guys have him as low as not 9 or 10. But I've seen examples of it, like I said, at the end of the season, um, with that with that hump move, with that cross shot, that I believe he can, he can do that. And speed to power... Um, I already, I've already seen the power that he has. I think in the in the run game, some of the lack of power that he has is a little bit with the legs, but I also think it's a little bit with technique, keeping a wide base, knowing how to play on, on under his um, under his his shoulders and keep and you know keep in within his frame. So I think it's a little bit more technique than just pure power. You have to understand how much technique plays into power and how powerful you are and how powerful it seems you are. Um, so that's, that, those are some areas he needs to develop to to really break through that uh, or get to that ceiling. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> 
Before we dive deeper into the pass rush aspect of Josh Allen, let's continue with the running game. You talked a little bit about the weaknesses. Can you expand on him overall as a prospect as far as defending the run goes? Yeah, the, the run game, there are some times where I would like to see him chase down some more run to give some, some effort where he's a little bit iffy. Um, with that, but there are definitely some plays in the run game where he'll he'll still set it. He'll still set a strong edge, uh, make make a really good tackle, use that athletic, uh, that athleticism. In terms of being on the backside of a run, uh, leaving him unblocked on the backside is a very very bad bad thing to do because of his explosion, his length, and uh, you know some of the power that he has. He's going to get that running back. So there are some plays in the running game where where he's going to impress you. He's going to make a play. Um, but it's just it's just the inconsistency and the areas I talked about before with with oversetting um, and a, a gap which opens up a bigger gap for the running back or or setting the wrong way or not stacking the right way or not playing you know underneath his pads or not using his extension. So um, he he still will make plays, but to become a a good or a plus run defender, he will have to develop. Um, in those areas, especially containing the run, you never want to see a guy lose containment on the edge. Um, and then have, you know, running back obviously break free for, you know, a, a gain that should have been two, three yards um, and instead turned into a, a gain that's, you know, 15, 20, 25 yards. So he, that's definitely a big area that he has to develop in. Um, but it's not like he, he cannot do that. Let's talk a little bit about Josh Allen in coverage because this is something that some people have talked about. And I think it's worth mentioning. He's not a guy that's necessarily going to be a blanket cover guy, but he's very good at disrupting passing routes from what I've seen. Oh yeah, for sure. That's that's one of the most intriguing things about him because we we you know we we've been heavy already on the pass rush or we we discussed the pass rush and we've discussed the running game, um, but the versatility that he has in pass coverage is something that that's as really it's super impressive. Um, multiple examples I've put up when I did the pod, I already did a podcast on him in the YouTube video. I already put up the review of him matching tight ends, uh, getting in their hip pockets, getting hands on, getting his eyes back to the quarterback, playing the upfield hip. Um, and then ju- and then jumping up, uh, you know, underneath to the uh, hip that's closer to the quarterback to play the ball. We've seen some nice pass deflections. Um, so he's he's a guy who can actually cover as well. When you have that ability to be so versatile, it definitely helps out your case in, in being a high draft pick because you want a guy who can do multiple things. So you have a guy who could pa- who could who could rush the passer, but now you also have a guy. Um, who can cover a tight end. He can cover a running back out of the backfield. So you can do so many different things with him. He's a guy who doesn't need to just play, um, you know, on, on the edge right there and just strictly rush, rush the passer. Like I said, you can, you can blitz him from a linebacker position. He could play in hook zones. He could play in curl the flats. He can play in hook to seams. He can play man. So that's another piece of him. That's, that's, uh, you know, like I said, a reason why he's going to be drafted as highly as he is. Uh, because he is that that super versatile uh, chess piece in many areas of his game. Let's dive a little bit more into the pass rushing that you saw from him. Obviously, he took a huge step forward this past season. He had seven sacks each of his first two and then jumped out to 17. What did you see from his 2018 tape that you looked at and said, wow, this guy can be a really great pass rusher at the next level? Yeah, it's like you know um, to be that top end guy, those five traits I mentioned before, um, you have to be a freak athlete in many ways with the arm length, with the power, uh, with the bend, and with that first step explosion. And those are all things that he uh, possesses in his game, and he showed it um, consistently with all the sacks that he got. And you know, some people say, "Oh, well, did he play you know top end talent?" And there was games where he was playing top uh, SEC teams and still producing at a, at a pretty high level. So 
that wasn't a question in my mind. Uh, and just that that combination of of speed and bend around the edge uh, was something incredible. And then when you when you throw that speed and speed and bend with some good moves, um, being his his chop. And then that, that chop into that rip or that swipe into that rip and then bending the edge and flattening really, really quickly. He's able to drop his hips and change his angles so quickly uh, to, to, like I said, flatten out and get to the quarterback. It, it was something that was really impressive on film. And it stood out, you know, pretty much every single game that he played in, whether it be, uh, you know, lower tier teams or top end SEC teams. So that's something that I saw. And that was one of the first things I noticed was that, that bend, especially for a guy. Listen, he's not a guy you know, like Brian Burns, who you you bring up valid points when you talk about him, you know, people are, are giddy about him in certain aspects of his game, but he's he was playing at 230 pounds. It's a little bit different playing at 230 pounds than playing at 260 pounds and still being able to consistently show that bend and that technique that Josh Allen uh, showed on a, on a game-to-game basis. So um, that was something, like I said, sp- speed, power, size all combined into one. Uh, that stands out, you know, every single play. Were there any plays in particular that stood out to you? No, this is the one like I always have, like with the Quinn and Williams. We're talking about Quinn and Williams. I had to play. We're talking about Jameson Crowder. I had to play. This was more of just a, a consistent basis of of bending that edge, chopping down, um, and, and getting around the quarterback. There was times where he was literally as low, where it looked like he was almost parallel to the ground, uh, and it was so frequent that it, it wasn't just one or two plays. So none of them stood out because he did that. Uh, really all the time so if that makes any sense this is the overtime podcast network let's talk a little bit about what he projects to be if he were to be in greg williams defense there are some that have said that he could be a khalil Mack type because of the freak athleticism if he hits his ceiling and also because like you said he has that rare ability for an edge guy to actually disrupt passing routes and be an effective weapon against the passing game do you see that as a possibility? Could he potentially be, if he hits his ceiling, Greg Williams' version of Khalil Mack? So instead of being that Khalil Mack player, I think a great you know comparison for Greg Williams' defense is exactly what he had last year in Miles Garrett, because Miles Garrett was a guy who played you know all over the line. Now Miles Garrett, I think he's in a you know you saw him at nine tech, you saw him at seven tech, you saw him covering tight ends a little bit, you saw him in, in some coverage where I think. Josh Allen is not as strong to play in the inside as a zero one tech three tech like Miles Garrett was. I also think he's a little bit more athletic. Where you're going to see him um, in coverage a little bit more than Miles Garrett was because he is a, a plus athlete in that way. Where you know Miles Garrett, you could see him in a hook zone, a curl to flat, but he couldn't match tight ends. He couldn't match uh, running backs like Allen can. So he was a little bit more of a he's a just as versatile piece, a little bit different way. Um, then, a, then a Miles Garrett, you're going to see him fre- frequently like Garrett rushing as a nine tech, uh, as a five tech, uh, with that speed, with that raw athleticism. So he's going to be a guy who's moved all around, like I said, with Greg Williams defense and how versatile it is and how many different things he does. Um, he's a guy who's going to be standing up at outside linebacker as a Sam, as a Will, as a Jack. Um, so there's a bunch of things he's going to do. Um, and that's that's a that's a part of the appeal with him, like we were just talking about, with the pass rush and with the ability to cover. So that's why he's such an intriguing prospect. Let's talk about the high ceiling and relatively middle of the road to low-ish floor that Josh Allen has, because I think this is an important thing. If his floor were higher, obviously he'd be a no-brainer 
in the top two or three. I think you think that he should be in the top two or three anyway, but there are some, including Connor Rogers from Bleach Report, our buddy who has him ranked as his 19th best prospect. And you've talked about this before. There are people that have him anywhere from, say, number three all the way to like number 10 or number 15. And of course, we talk about ceiling, and I think we probably agree that he has a higher ceiling than Nick Bosa, but uh-huh. you still have Nick Bosa ranked over him for reasons that you'll get into when you do a Nick Bosa review. Talk to me a little bit about what the difference is there between the ceiling and the floor. Where do you see that floor being exactly? Yeah, we just talked about it a little bit before. The, the floor is because of the technical refinement that he needs in his game, where we've talked about Quinn and Williams, where he has all the technical aspects. Now, does he need to, you know, obviously brush on uh, up on them a little bit at the NFL level? Well, yeah, that, that, that goes without saying. You're not a finished product in, at 21 years old. Um, at Alabama, just like Josh Allen's not, but Josh Allen hasn't consistently shown the ability to win inside and to uh, you know convert speed into power, which you saw it sometimes. We didn't see it enough to to mark it down as something he could consistently do, um, and to be that top end guy, just like we talked about with guys like Von Miller and with guys like Khalil Mack, um, you need to be able to you know, do that and be consistent and using different techniques. You can't just rely on speed rush, bend, chop, swipes, and rifts. That's that's what he does primarily. Now, what were there different moves? Obviously, there's different moves. He didn't do that every single rep, um, but it was so much to a point where you have to uh, concern yourself if he could do, you know, the hump move, the, cr- the inside cross chop like I talked about before um, at an effective level in the NFL because he was inexperienced at doing it in college. Um, so that's, that's something where, so that's somewhere where he has to develop big time and pass rush to get to that ceiling. And then also, um, in terms of like the floor in the run game, if he doesn't start setting the edge uh, stronger, taking better position, getting underneath his, his shoulder pads, um, and contain that edge, then he's going to be a guy who's, you're not going to want him in on, on heavy running downs. He's going to get blown off the ball and not be able to contain that edge. So, uh, he has the physical traits to do it, and I've seen that he's he's done it before. But refining in those areas and and you know growing that spin move, that bull rush, um, that cross chop inside, if he if he presses to the outside and and cuts across the left tackle or right tackle's face, then he could reach that ceiling um, that we're that we're talking about. And that's a lot of things he has to do. That's why he's so intriguing because he can do it. Uh, he possesses all of those five traits that are necessary to be an elite rusher. That's guys like we'll talk about when you said it. Or you said it before, and Nick Bosa, I don't believe he possesses, possesses all those five traits that uh, Josh Allen has. Now he's a lot better player right now because of the technical refinement, and I think he's a higher floor because of the technique, and we've talked about technique being the most important thing. They're all good athletes. Uh, there's a difference between good athletes, freak athletes, which we, we've talked about before as well. Um, but with all those things I'm talking about, with that speed, with that bend, with that arm length, with that power, and what with what he's shown at Kentucky, I think he can develop. Like you said, uh, two years ago, he was whatever you said, he had two four sacks, whatever it was. I didn't watch that season of him. Um, but as far as he's grown in one season, you, you're you're expecting that the next year he's just going to continue to grow, continue to grow, continue to grow. And it, it was very encouraging. And this is something I didn't know before I started watching the film um, that he never really won inside when I was watching it at first. But then I started to watch games later in the year. Uh, I believe the last game that he played of the 2000, actually 18, 2019 season was Penn State. And that's the game where he had three sacks. 
And I believe two of those sacks or one of those pressures came from a hump move. And one of those pressures came from pressing up the field on the arc and then using a cross chop to cross the left tackle's face. And those are things I didn't see. So you're hoping that he keeps building and builds those moves. So I've seen it enough. I've seen it at least sometimes where I have um, some sort of faith that he can build that, but it's not a guarantee yet uh, where guys like, like, Quentin Williams and Bosa are pretty much guaranteed with her t- techniques. So that's why he has a, a lower end floor. I'm not talking like a low floor, like a guy who's going to get one, two sacks a year and be out of the NFL. I'm talking about a low floor guy who's getting four or five, six sacks as compared to a guy who's getting, you know, 18, 19, 20 sacks a year, uh, which is obviously a pretty wide range. That's why he's such a pol- polarizing player. I don't think it's correct to to put him, you know, everybody is, is obviously entitled to their own opinion, but putting him as low as 18, 19 with his ceiling, I, I think is, is pretty absurd in my opinion. Uh, that, but that's just me and, you know, I'm going to say what I think. But regardless, uh, those are some of the reasons that I you know, think that he's, uh, he has that, that high floor. It's, it's the bend uh, and, that, and that strength plus speed uh, for that size. That's just so intriguing. Um, to watch, plus the development, you know, slowly over his uh, collision career. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Do you think that his floor would be a mediocre player, or do you think it could be as weak as, say, a very bad player or a guy that might not even be starter level? No, I, I think I think his floor is is like just like a decent a decent starter level. I'm not going to go as far as okay, he's going to be you know out of the NFL because. He'll, he'll still beat bad offensive linemen in the NFL with that speed, with that bend, with that cross chop or, or swipe into a rip or chop into a rip. Um, so he's still going to win sometimes just with that freak, that, that, that freakish athleticism. Um, but it always comes down to, okay, well, can you beat those upper tier tackles um, in the NFL to make you that really good to, to elite type player, which, like I said, I think he can do. Um, but he's still going to be a guy who, He's going to get at least five, six, seven sacks a year, eight sacks a year, um, maybe as as his floor. Uh, so I don't think it's so low where he's not going to be a starter, and he's going to be you know your fortieth guy on the roster. Uh, but it's also still a wide range, um, and like I said, that is why he's so he is so polarizing. There have been people that have talked about him as if he is Anthony Barr. And I think this is kind of a weird comparison. And bear in mind, I like Anthony Barr, and I really liked him coming out of UCLA. But I don't really see the comparison. It doesn't make sense to me. Do you agree? We've said this before on your podcast, I'm, I'm sure. I, we've, uh, we talk about we have so many shows, I forget what we talk about sometimes. Um, but after watching Barr, like, I, I texted you. I said I was not very high on the guy. I, I believe the, the word I use is meh, which I always use when I'm kind of feeling like kind of iffy on a, on a guy. Anthony Barr is a, a, a he was a with uh, the Vikings, he's a stand-up four-three uh, outside linebacker. Whether that be Sam or Will, he's not. He was not a guy who was rushing, you know, consistently off the edge. Where I think Josh Allen, it's not just pure athleticism uh, or just one or two moves. It is a couple moves outside, but the problem being that it was just too much outside. Um, it wasn't just pure athleticism. So there, there are different players. One was stand-up. One was, uh, for the most part, an edge who could cover tight ends and and running backs. I, I just think people hear like, okay, well. 
you know, he's athletic and he can cover running backs. Oh, well, Anthony Barr can do that too. I've heard his name before. I know he can do that. So let's just compare them. And they're really completely different players. Even just like a uh, comparing him to a guy like a Leonard Floyd. Um, Leonard Floyd, like, okay, yeah, they both have the same body type. And it's hard to make comparisons, um, especially because I just started watching, you know, really like deep into college players this year, even like a little bit last year. Leonard Floyd was a guy who was lighter than Josh Allen. He was a guy who had that freakish athleticism. But he, he won a lot, you know, more inside. Um, and he was a guy who didn't have that strength to, to maintain, you know, basically bending that arc and, and flattening out his angle uh, through contact when he got to the quarterback's level. So, like, they're, they're different players. Um, and everybody's a different player. So, it's, it's, I, I, think just, I, I think it's a lazy narrative just to say, oh, well, he's Anthony Barr. They're, they're, they're different. They're different in college. They're different um, from him in Kentucky and what Barr was, you know, with the Vikings. And, the thing with the Vikings that a lot of people say about Anthony Barr, like, yeah, you know, uh, he didn't really rush the passer and all this stuff. Listen, if he was that good of a pass rusher, they would have found a way to get him as a pass rusher. He wouldn't have been standing up as much. And when I watched him, and it's not an Anthony Barr podcast, but he was he was pretty terrible. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Like, rushing the passer, um, unless everything just, just completely melted away that he had at UCLA, um, he would just run straight into guys. He didn't do anything. He didn't use chops or swipes or rips or ice picks or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and Josh Allen has shown more of that in college. And I think Barr showed me even at the NFL level, when I watched him uh, for those two, three, four games, I was watching him and I thought he was, you know, signed with the jets for those, whatever it was, four hours or, or whatever. Um, so they're not, they're not similar guys. I don't think they have a, a similar floor on the similar ceiling. I just, they're, they're completely different to me. I'll always fondly remember the Anthony Barr era of New York Jets football, for as short as it was. But Joe, I want to ask you one thing about schemes, because you touched on it a little bit there with Anthony Barr, and we talked about this earlier with Josh Allen being a 3-4 edge. I wonder if the fact that Greg Williams typically runs more 4-3 bases, and you've said yourself you think he's going to transition to that eventually. Does that devalue Josh Allen in your eyes as far as the Jets goes? Because I know he can mix and match a little bit, but we both know that Allen is much more suited to play in a 3-4 than a 4-3. If Williams is eventually planning to transition to that 4-3, do you think that that takes a little bloom off the rose if you're the Jets? A little bit of bloom off the rose. (laughs) Uh, I think it's the first time I've ever heard that expression, but yeah, a, a, a little bit, yes. Um, he's definitely more of a 3-4 outside linebacker. I think a little bit of that versatility helps where I said he can stand up and blitz up the A-gap, um, and he could play Sam, he could play he could play Jack, he could play uh, Will. He could play a lot of those positions, but as a, as a full-time guy, like you want that to be partial, um, where you do want him to be a 3-4 outside linebacker at times, rushing as a 5-tech, as 7-tech, a 9-tech. Uh, primarily, for sure. You don't want him as a, as a 4-3 end where he's going to be inside the tackle, have to deal with a lot more combo blocks. Um, instead, you want him rushing wide more times than not. But the, the good thing with the Greg Williams scheme is uh, he did typically and, and very frequently split his, his defense ends out wide. That's what you saw Miles My, Garrett a lot. If you watch a lot of Browns tape from last year, he was splitting Miles Garrett out to a nine tech. And you, you would see, and this is what we talked about, I believe we did a podcast about Greg Williams. Like I said, I just forget all the podcasts we do now, um, where you would see those two nine techs split out wide. They would basically take the tackles out of the box. Um, and then they would really just just cram the inside um, with, with stunts and exchanges to confuse the interior of the offensive line. 
Um, so I think that's a role that he can fill. Uh, I think if they were to slowly transition to a 4-3, you know, you could see an over or an under front, and then you just see, you know, Josh Allen have that same type of role um, where he is rushing from outside of the tackle. So I think he could fit in that. But would he fit as as well? Because there is going to be some still some times in a four three where you're going to need to be inside the tackles. Um, so it's not as good. But I still think he he could transition into it. But it's not, it's just not ideal. Let's talk about where you see Josh Allen in the grand scheme of things. You have him ranked as your number three guy. If the Jets landed him at number three, let's say they stay put. And your two top guys, which in whatever order you want to put them, I know you have Quinn and Williams number one and Nick Bosa number two. But regardless, both guys are off the board. Would you be happy if the Jets stayed at number three and grabbed Josh Allen? Are you confident enough that he's going to at least come close to reaching that ceiling that you talked about? Yeah, I, I would be happy. And you, you know there's so many factors into this now. Like If you're telling me, okay, well, the Jets could have traded back and grabbed we have their two biggest needs in Greedy Williams and let's say uh, Bradbury, who I just started watching the other day, and, and he's a really, really good player. Then I'd be a little bit more upset, but that's that's all depending on the situation. But if they were to stay there, you didn't know, know any of those other options. Um, he's my number three player, so I think he is worth the number three pick just because of that ceiling. If you have proper coaching, um, he could turn into that that Mac or Miller, and that that's so that's obviously a really, really high ceiling. But even if he's not one of those guys, he's not getting. 19, 18 sacks, and he's getting 15, 16, 17 sacks, which I think he could turn into. Um, I'll, I'll take that risk on that because, like I said, the floor isn't super low, but it is low enough where it is still a pretty wide margin. So, um, But if he is taking at three, I'm happy with it. I don't see that happening where you, do, you have both Bosa and Quinn Williams off the board personally because I do think one of the teams are going to trade up for a quarterback most likely um, if if you know the Cardinals aren't taking Murray at one, which seems like the the likely possibility, if they don't do it, somebody's going to trade up to one or two and grab somebody. Um, but if both those guys were off the board in this situation and Allen was there, I'm I'm happy with it. Um, I've watched him enough where I have some faith to think that he's going to reach a a pretty high ceiling and be a pretty good pass rusher. But uh, there still is a reason that he is my number three player, and that being um, the lower floor than guys like Bosa and, and Quinn Williams. What do you think the odds are that he comes much closer to his ceiling than his floor? Well, that's a good one. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say I, th- I think he he's closer to reaching that that ceiling, being that 14, 15. Uh, that's yeah, that's hard. 13, 14, 15 sack a year guy. Um, but and that's because I saw him at the end of the year use that hump move and use uh, that, you know, those moves where he would, he would take two really aggressive steps upfield, like he was rushing and going to bend the arc and then flatten out. And then he would, and then he would, you know, shift his hips, uh, use that cross chop and then, and then burst inside and get, get, uh, you know, cross that tackle's face. So with him developing as far as he did from two years ago into last year, and then from the beginning of last year to this year, I think his ceiling is just going to keep trending upwards. Um, or, or his play is going to keep trending upwards, and I, I think that he, it's not just going to you know come to a screeching halt. So I think he's going to keep growing, especially with NFL coaching and next to some you know better players and better talent around him to teach him. Because obviously Kentucky is not known for you know a great coaching and great talent. Um, like you know if he does come to the Jets, he's around some really good coaches. Greg Williams, who's been in the you know, in NFL for twenty plus years and coaching football for like thirty years now. Um, so I, I think he's going to be closer to that that ceiling type player than he will be to that that floor type player of five, six, seven sacks a year. You talked about Greg Williams before, and we touched on this, and you did a whole show about Greg Williams breaking down his defense. How confident are you that he and his staff could get the most out of Josh Allen? 
I, th- I think it's a good possibility. Listen, now, if he was with a guy like Greg Williams and a Von Miller Quilmack, then, yeah, you're really confident. I'd have to look at Greg Williams' success rate with at, with outside linebackers and what he's turned them into when they, when they, they you know, come in as young players, um, which Miles Garrett, he's obviously there for two years, and Miles Garrett, this is his going to be his third year, Scott, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so he had some develop or some success developing a guy like Miles Garrett. Now, they're a little bit different players, but they still are you know, edge rusher slash DN type players, even though, you know, Miles Garrett being more of a, the DN type player and, and Allen being more of the outside linebacker type player, but it still is similar, you know, in a way. So I have faith in those guys. I have a lot more faith in Greg Williams developing him than I, than I would with Casey Rogers and Todd Bowles. That's for sure. Um, so I have some faith. You have, to, you have to have some faith in one of the best defensive coordinators or at least thought of to be one of the best defensive coordinators um, in the NFL today. So. I want to talk just edge rusher versus edge rusher. I know that you have Bosa rated higher than Allen simply because Bosa is a better player now and he's a safer bet. Do you think that there's any scenario in which the Jets could be convinced to take Allen over Bosa? No, I, I, I don't. I just think, especially with, with Mike McCagman, we've talked about this before in regards to Quinton Williams, I think that his floor is so high McCagman is... Regardless of the offseason, he still is, you know, on the hot seat. You know, maybe not this year, but the next couple of years, he still has to. He has to prove that his his free agent signings are going to work out. I think taking, you know, skipping on a guy like Nick Bosa, who we've talked about, I, I think he's very relatable to his his brother Joey. Um, is a guy who's easily going to get 11, 12, 13 sacks a year. He doesn't have that high of a ceiling or as high of a ceiling as a guy like Josh Allen. But I, I think with such a high floor, you just have to take that player. Um, and I, I, I texted after I started watching both these guys, and I said I might rate Josh Allen higher than Nick Bosa, which obviously changed that, and, and Nick Bosa did end up being higher than Josh Allen because of that ceiling. But you have to take that ceiling you know, relatively to the floor as well. And I'd rather just take a guy who I know is going to get 12, you know, 13, 11 sacks a year um, as compared to the guy who might be a, you know, uh, just a decent guy with a really high ceiling. It, it, it's really factoring in. Um, ceiling versus floor, and I think McCagan's in that position where he needs to just take the safe player. And that's why I think if Bosa's gone and Quillen Williams is there, uh, you need to just take Quillen Williams. So we, <laughs> we've talked about him at length. Um, I think he's the best player in the draft easily, even though I'm not talking about him right now. But I, I think safe is definitely the best route um, for McCagan at this point. Uh, Josh Allen could be a little bit too much of a risk, but like I said, both of those guys are gone with the previous question you asked me. I'm completely fine with taking a risk on that talent because I do still feel that he will be closer to that ceiling than the floor, but there is still that that slight possibility that he he does uh, you know end up around that floor. So he is the co-host of our film show TOJ Film Room over on our YouTube channel, Turn on the Jets TV. Joe Blewett, thank you so much for coming on and talking a little Josh Allen with me. I was really looking forward to this because Allen's a bit of a polarizing prospect because the highs are so high and the lows are a little lower. But it's interesting to get a look at this guy who, by the way, is a local product. So there's a little bit of charm there as well. We'll see what the Jets think of him as the draft gets closer. I'm sure we're going to hear more and more of his name thrown out there in relation to the New York Jets. In the meantime, while we wait, Joe has a full show breaking down all the film on Josh Allen that he talked about. So if you really want to see in visual form all the things that he broke down on this show here today, go ahead over to our YouTube channel. Follow Joe on Twitter so that you can see the videos posted up there. Joe, for anybody that's unfamiliar, why don't you go ahead and let them know how they can do that. 
It must be the first time listening to your podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, Joe Joe RB thirty one on Twitter, the YouTube. You just type in "Turn on the Jets" in the search bar, you'll find it. Uh, I have faith in you. And then the podcast app at TOJ Space Film Space Room. Um, and if you are one of those people who is really like intrigued, and you want to know. Okay, well, what do you mean by the cross chop and the bend and the ankle flexibility that he has? I don't know if we, know if we hit on that in this podcast. But he does have that as well. Um, you want to see that like visually, so you actually know what I'm talking about. You can see it with your own eyes. Um, I do. I do the show where I already did Josh Allen. Uh, I already did Quinn Williams. I'm probably gonna do Nick Bosa within the next couple of days. I'm gonna pump out another, you know, 17 guys of the draft plus reviews of Mosley and Bell. So. If you want to watch a film of these guys, instead of hearing a bunch of, you know, scouting reports and hot takey type stuff, uh, then you can catch me there. Go ahead and follow Joe on Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Turn On The Jets TV. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn On The Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.